0: RadioInfluence.com.
1: Welcome in to a new episode of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. It is the Wednesday, November 16th, 2022 edition of the MMA Report Podcast podcast. Of course, we have got a jam-packed show to talk to you about. Of course, last week, UFC 281. Also, PFL has revealed the pay-per-view price point for next week's PFL pay-per-view. Finally getting the price point for that one. Plus, we've got a crap ton of mixed martial arts action coming up this weekend. Of course, we got the UFC on Saturday. Bellator on Friday. Also, One Championship has a pair of cards, including a card on Prime Championship. LFA's got a card. Cagewear's got a card. There is a ton going on. And Of course, as always, I am joined by my guy, Daniel Galvan. Daniel, man, how's it going, man? It's
0: going great, dude. I'm so excited to do this episode. I mean, we got a lot to reflect on for the UFC pay-per-view, a lot to look forward to, uh, a lot going on, man, but I'm just glad to see you back in Tampa Bay in your house, man. How was Germany?
1: It, it was a great time, man. I would tell you, man, um, look, I, I've had a great honor of of, of doing this NFL play-by-play broadcasting since 2006 that was a unreal environment like I mean you, you you're in this you know sports broadcasting field and it was just crazy I remember it was like 45 minutes before the game was about to start and it is filled everyone is in their seats already and then you know the crazy thing is you're in a country where English is not the primary language it's the fourth quarter Country Rose by John Denver comes on, and everyone is singing the words. They've got their phone out with the flashlight on. I mean, it, like literally, they stop playing the song. The Bucks run an offensive play, and the crowd is still singing the song. It would just say unbelievable, like it didn't feel like a regular season game. Like it, it had like that Super Bowl type feel. Like, like as I think about memorable broadcasting moments for me, obviously Super Bowl. You know, two years ago was obviously always going to be number one for me, but uh, man, this is, this is definitely up there.
0: You know, as someone who's never been to Germany and I'm sure a lot of listeners haven't and myself included, what was it like walking around? You know, was it, was it noticeably different than America? What, What was going on in Germany?
1: Not too much. I mean, obviously a lot of of cool architecture that that we saw, but, uh, you know, I mean, look, man, it was a work trip for me, bro. I mean, a a lot of work in there. I mean, the one thing that was, uh, when we were leaving the stadium on Saturday and I think I sent you a picture of just how big that stadium is, is, uh, you know, we're, we're walking out and I'm, you know, go to this guy and we're just like, I hope he speaks a little bit of English. And I was like, Hey man, where's Uber taxis. And, uh, we ended up taking a, taking a train and, uh, but man, it was a good time. It was chilly, bro. Like, I love my Florida weather, man. I love my Florida weather. I was like, we didn't get back to Florida. I mean, it was, you know, it was it was it was a chilly one for me. It was like in yeah. the uh lows were in the 30s, highs uh I think we may hit 50 degrees. But yeah, wow. man, I was like, give me back to Florida, give me back to cool weather. Even though it's it looks like we're going to have a little cool uh weekend this weekend here in uh the Tampa area.
0: Yeah, over here in Texas is pretty chilly, man. It, it's 55 degrees and I'm an absolute wimp about it, but uh yeah, man, that stadium looked fantastic. I think that's where, correct me if I'm wrong, but Bayern Munich plays, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah, one of the top soccer teams in the entire world, and uh, it's just massive. And uh, that's great that the atmosphere was there, and they were seeing country roads, and you'd love to see it, man. You know, who knows, maybe one day there'll be a UFC event there. There haven't been that many great German mixed martial artists in the UFC quite yet, but I mean, we've had a couple, right? Peter Sabata, I believe, was one of them, a name that comes to mind, Uh there's been a couple others, but there hasn't been that great German mixed martial arts star quite yet.
1: You know, I was thinking about this earlier on today of, you know, we have these uh, memories. I mean, this will be a memory for me of, of being at this, at this game. And uh, I was thinking about you realize we are just a couple of days away from a really big, uh, noble day in mixed martial arts. November 19th, Chandler Alvarez won and Shogun Henderson won.
0: Wow, yeah, one of the most memorable days in uh, in uh, the history of this sport. And it's fitting, right? It, it, it kind of happens around the same time. We just saw Michael Chandler compete in the UFC. Like, who would have known that having watched that fight, eventually we would see Chandler in the UFC, Eddie Alvarez in the UFC. And who would have thought that 10-plus um, years later, Shogun Hua would still be a, a fighter, you know, <laughs> competing in the UFC. It, I it's rem- crazy.
1: I remember where I was when I, I watched that. I was in Appleton, Wisconsin. We were getting ready to play the Green Bay Packers the next day. And I remember sitting in my hotel room and I watched the, the Bellator car because it was on earlier. Uh, it was like, you know, main event was like 7, 8 o'clock. And you're like, oh, how, how is the UFC going to counter this? And then, of course, that. And I remember a couple of years ago, I was talking to a, a now former Bellator employee. And, and he had said to me, he said, he goes, you know, when we walked out of the arena that night, that was one of those nights where they each said you walked out there and says, oh, man, this is going to be a game changing moment for us. And then, of course, what just happens a couple hours later is UFC has one of its greatest fights in history. I mean, like if you're a newer MMA fan and you have not seen Either one of those fights, you got to find a way to go watch those fights. I mean, obviously, you can go on Fight Pass and watch that Henderson and Shogun fight. I mean, that was just an, an unbelievable fight, and um, I'm sure the Chandler uh, Alvarez fight is somewhere on YouTube. But I was just thinking yeah, about that earlier yeah. today because, like, like I was thinking about like you know, you you have these these sports memories, and like you think about like, are what where are those MMA memories that you have? Like, there, there's there's a couple of memories for me when I think about. You know, being involved, you know, whether it's a combat sports fan or being involved in, in the media side of this game. Like like for me, I don't know what it's like for you, but like I think of Frank Mir tapping Brock Lesnar in their first fight is, is something I'll, I'll always remember. You know, another one that always comes to my mind, and I know I've talked about this before, is when Rampage knocked out Chuck Liddell to win the UFC light heavyweight title.
0: Yeah, those are great moments. And to, to piggyback off things that stick out to me, you know go back to brock beating randy couture to become a ufc heavyweight champion for some reason the card where gsp fought dan hardy i remember where i was at my friend's house i think um, another big one had to have been chael versus anderson silva and also when anderson Silva broke his leg i mean the list goes on but those are some of the big memorable moments uh that i've that i can recall i mean there's just so many though but especially in that late 2000 to early 2010 period, there were so many great moments like that.
1: And we talk about, uh, you know, obviously I got on a plane right after the game's over and I'm just sitting there and I'm I'm tired as can be. And I'm scrolling scrolling through Facebook and I see the tragic news that Anthony Rumble Johnson has passed away. And of course, uh, you know, the details have come out of what has happened there. And, you know, I've taken in a lot of content over the past couple of days of people who were, you know, close to rumble Johnson. And the one thing that you really take away from it is man, he was a beloved guy. I mean, I think that when we think of him, you know, from a, a combat sports fan aspect, we, we think of just the memorable moments that we saw, you know, whether it was in the UFC octagon, the WSOF cage uh, of knocking people out. And, but you hear so many people talk about just, you know, all the interaction they had. I was listening to Anakin Forian podcast and John Anik was talking about, uh, a Instagram DM interaction he had with Rumble a couple of years ago, where Rumble didn't realize that, that John was a twin. And, you know, and so you hear all these great stories about Rumble, but like for me, when I think of Anthony Rumble Johnson, the fighter, I think the, the two things that really stick out to me is, you know, how, you know, the kind of the end of his first UFC run where he had where he just could not make 170 pounds anymore. And then after he exits the UFC, he goes on this tremendous run where he's just knocking everyone out, you know, and you know, he does go for the UFC light heavyweight title on two occasions, unable to get that victory. Unfortunately, we were never able to see. The John Jones fight. I mean, the Gustafson knockout. I think what that was kind of the moment for me is like, holy crap! Anthony Rumble Johnson truly is one of the best light heavyweight fighters in the world.
0: Yeah, man, it was so sad to hear the news. It was um, something where he had been alluding to some illness on social media over the past while to explain his inactivity, and for it to happen, just it's crazy to to think. And you got to send your condolences to his family and his friends, man. When I think about Anthony Johnson as a fighter, my very first memory of him is going to be the, the knockout win over Kevin Burns. He had at Walter Waite. I don't even know if I saw that fight live. I feel like that fight happened before I was watching uh, fights live, but I feel like I may have seen it on a UFC unleash. But the head kick knockout over Kevin Burns, it was pretty good Walter Waite at the time, was just so brutal. And from that point forward in the Walter Waite division, you know, Anthony Johnson showcased his power. And uh, I think the, the win over Yoshiki Yoshida was also a very scary knockout. And I think when you think of Anthony Johnson as a fighter, I think his power is definitely the thing to, to think of at first. Like that's where his bread was buttered. And he maintained that power at Walter White. He showed it at light heavyweight. He was one of the heaviest hitters in the history of this sport. And when you start to look at his resume – he really had a very impressive resume. I mean, since 2012, the only time he lost was when he was in the cage with Daniel Cormier. Other than that, he won every single fight he was a part of. So you, you don't think about it, I don't think, at first, but Anthony Johnson is legitimately a, a tippy-top light heavyweight, I think, when you look at the uh, grand scheme of things. He's someone who probably would have been a light heavyweight champion if Daniel Cormier didn't exist and John Jones didn't exist. He's got a win over Glover to share. He's got a win over Ryan Bader. And not only wins, wins where he destroyed them in the first round. Johnson's late UFC run at 205 was really special. And it's sad. It's really a sad story, man. I I think he was someone who could have had just a tremendous late career in Bellator possibly winning the championship because he still showed at that time that he was one of the best light heavyweights in the world and it just shows you in life you just never know what hands you might get dealt on any given day and it's an awful story but anthony johnson was a great fighter
1: yeah i mean i i heard errol talk about this i I saw a clip maybe it was on instagram where you know he's talking about you know he's he was 38 years old. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm three years older than that. I'm 41 years old. And, you know, talk about like, you know, you, you just you never know. And, 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 you know, one of the things when I saw it, it just, it makes me think, like, God, man, I, I, probably should go see a doctor and, and make sure everything's good. You know, it's, yeah, I mean, you think about that Bellator fight. I think, you know, everyone remembers the knockout, but, um, he got rocked in that fight too, you know. That was it was up there at the Mohegan Sun. So yeah, man. You know, thoughts and prayers go out to Anthony and everyone in his family. Of course, uh, last week it was UFC 281, and of course we have not one but two new UFC champions. I mean, look, I, I think everyone predicted. <laughs> We'd have a new, um, you know, champion in the co-main event, but I mean, I didn't really see a lot of people going out there and picking Alex to beat Izzy. I mean, look, Izzy, you know, he's a couple minutes away from retire from retaining that title, and then he got caught. Uh, let me ask you first on this one: Did you have any issues with stoppage? Because I did not. I thought it was a good stoppage.
0: Absolutely not. I mean, Adesanya went and had post-fight comments questioning the stoppage, and I just don't agree with his comments whatsoever. I felt like the referee gave him plenty of time to defend himself. And it was another situation similar to Marina Rodriguez the week prior where all of a sudden his striking defense was really stellar when the fight was over. But when the fight was going on, he was getting his ass beat. That fight should have been stopped. And if the fight wasn't stopped at that second, it would have been stopped five seconds later. Alex Pereira was throwing heat. Aden Sanya was out. That fight should have been stopped. We'll get a rematch Izzy, but It wasn't a bad stoppage, in my opinion. I mean, dude, what can you say, bro? It's effing crazy that Alex Pereira is the middleweight champion of the world. It's really effing crazy. He's 7-1 in as a mixed martial artist. He started taking this seriously in 2019. He beat Israel Adanzania. Dude, this story, I think, you know, the MMA world moves so fast that we just move on to the next week of fights and move on to the next story. It's crazy that Alex Pereira destroyed Adesanya in that fifth round, bro. It's amazing that he made the jump from kickboxing to mixed martial arts and took out one of the best middleweights in the history of this sport. It's Izzy, it's Anderson Silva, Alex Pereira with less than 10 fights in his resume dethroned the champion.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about this. Of uh, Obviously, he got this title matchup due to the fact of you know having the history with Izzy uh, in kickboxing. And I went back and I watched that inning sequence multiple times. And, and first off, I got to give a lot of kudos to Izzy for talking as much as he has since this fight is over. Of course, uh, if you're watching this here, whether it's on a late Wednesday or Thursday, you probably see the news on TMZ Sports. He was detained at the New York airport for having brass knuckles. Uh, I saw a comment from his manager saying that it was a gift from a fan. Everything is all good. He's been released. He's on his way back home. But I I give Izzy a ton of credit for, you know, he loses his title and he still does the media. This is just something we don't see in mixed martial arts for the majority of times. When you think about it, you know, the the only one that really comes to my mind to me is uh, Dominic Cruz a couple years ago when he lost his band away weight so I got to give Izzy all the credit in the world, but it was one of those things of, okay, I see Izzy with what he had said about the stoppage. And so I go back and I, and I watch him multiple times and, and I keep sitting there going, man, I don't, I just don't think it's a bad stoppage. I, I just sit back and I go, I, I, to me, I have no problems with the ref. I think Goddard gave Izzy every opportunity to stay in that fight. And, you know, it's one of those things of like, man, when you put your head down after getting barraged like that, it's crazy. And then, you know, also I saw Robert Whitaker's comments where he talked about, he said, he's like, he's like, did you see how big Alex looks in that cage? You know? And like you brought this point, cause you know, we love to do agree, disagree here, here on the MMA Report podcast. And you brought up the fact of, uh, does Izzy ever beat Alex? And, I feel like there needs to be an asterisk on this one, Daniel. Because I wonder, when Glover Teixeira walks away, is Alex moving up to 205 pounds? Because he is a massive middleweight. Yeah, that was a
0: big, that was so stark, watching these two in the cage again. I mean, it was a flashback to when Adensanya stepped up to take on Jan at 205. It felt like a sizable mismatch at middleweight. It was just stark, the difference in size between these two. And I can only think that despite winning the championship, I do think Alex's days at middleweight are numbered because I just don't understand how he's able to cut down to 185. It doesn't make any sense to me. And he's done it, and kudos and hats off to him. But when you look at his size and the fact that, again, he's in his mid-30s, approaching his late 30s it's like how the hell is he going to do this consistently maybe he can maybe he will but i do think the move up to light heavyweight makes all the sense of the world when you look at these two in the cage together in terms of agree or disagree it's it's a tough proposition i mean you watch this fight and adesanya would have won the decision but it's not like he won every round uh, the ability for him to score takedowns and control fights, that's a big factor. And I think he's still going to be able to do that in a rematch. The thing is, Alex, you would have figured he would have got really tired in round five. And even though he was showing some signs of tiredness, he was able to change his approach and be more aggressive. And what I do wonder is if they do a rematch, is Alex going to start off fighting in round one like he did in round five? And that could be a very scary proposition for Ad and Sonia if Alex has that confidence that his cardio is going to maintain himself because there was a clear difference in approach in round five after the advice from his corner. And if he maintains that, I don't think auden Sanya is going to be able to finish Alex. And the idea of Aden Sanya surviving 25 minutes of Alex's power makes it hard. So I'm going to disagree. I don't think he is. He ever does it.
1: I would agree. I, now, let me put an asterisk next to this, okay? Here's why I would say I would agree. If you tell me the UFC is going to go to an immediate rematch, which would be my expectations, that they would do that, and I think Izzy deserves that. Long-running middleweight champion, he should get an immediate rematch. And so you tell me this fight six, seven months from now, like, look, who is a better mixed martial artist? To me, there's not a doubt in my mind that is it's Izzy. But... You know, And like we'll talk about this later on when we talk about Saturday's UFC event with Derrick Lewis. Derrick Lewis has got that one-punch one, uh, one punch knockout power where that fight can end in any moment. And I look at Alex in that same way where we could see a similar thing. But you tell me right now, if you say, hey, these guys are fighting in July, International Fight Week in Las Vegas, I would pick Izzy to win that fight. So I say he does get it done. But I just wonder, like, if Yuri wins next month, and retains the UFC light heavyweight title. Is that the end of Glover Teixeira's run? And then maybe do we see Alex vacate the 185 pound title, move up to 205, and say my days are going 85 or over?
0: I could absolutely see that happening. That fight sounds insane, Pereira Prochaska. Holy crap! And honestly, if those two are matched up, I think we might have a new light heavyweight champion. I mean, Alex is Alex is just he looks. He looks like a superhero. He really does. He looks and he fights like it. And we'll see. I mean, I think the rematch is next. But, God, if you're Adensanya, you have to have so much mental strength to not just be in. I mean, this guy has haunted you your entire Mixed Martial arts career. You're one of the (laughs) legends of this sport. But now, when people mention the name Israel Adensanya, it's not going to be that many more words until they bring up the name Alex Pereira. That's yeah. got to haunt Ad and Sanya. So when it comes to a rematch, the one thing I will look at is motivation. And I think Izzy's going to have all the motivation in the world. What I worry about maybe for Alex is he has climbed the mountaintop. Will he maintain the same work ethic and motivation that he had to climb the mountaintop to stay on top? So only time will tell. The other scary thing for Izzy is that Alex is just barely started his mixed martial arts career. And so it's like he's grown exponentially. Now he has just more time to do so.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, interesting to kind of see what we see happen there between those two guys. Of course, uh, co-main event, uh, Zhang Wali regains the UFC uh, strawweight title there with a win over Carl Esparza. Not really a surprise there. I think we all kind of uh, saw this one coming here. But you brought the agree-disagree up here, and it's an interesting question, Daniel, that you brought up here, which is agree or disagree, Zhang Wali goes down as a top five female fighter of all time. And I don't yep. I was I was thinking about this and I was like okay so top 5 so clearly a man nuñez chris cyborg are two of the top 5 I, I there's there's they have to be they're top 2 I mean you know, I mean obviously there's some people who still put cyborg over nuñez but to me right now nuñez cyborg then it really becomes interesting you got Yulian Jick you know some people might put Ronda Rousey up there I think as time goes on, she'll quietly go off that list because uh, as we, we see more and more fires go on there. But, you know, this 115-pound title, it's it's kind of, it's like becoming the UFC men's lightweight title where it just kind of you know goes around to fire to fight or so. I'm really not sure how to answer this question. Like, my gut tells me, pure gut here, Daniel, is I should agree that she does go down as top five.
0: Yeah, I think... Right now, you look at that top five. The other name that's an absolute lock that takes a spot on there is Valentina Shevchenko. So you have those three. Now you only have two spots left. Right now, she's probably not there, even though she beat Yuliana Jechik. Janjicik, man, Yuliana Jechik's resume, outside of her losses, is pretty impressive. Ronda Rousey, also, you got to respect her. And and you know maybe Kayla Harrison is gonna gonna buy for that spot down the line. Uh, there, there's quite a few. Rose Hunas is another one that you got to look at, but. I, I, I mention this because I feel like Zhang Wali has to be one of the more underrated fighters on this roster. Because she doesn't get a lot of publicity. A lot of people aren't at the water cooler having Zhang Wali conversations. But geez, two things. One, incredibly entertaining fighter. She got a great fight out of Carla Esparza. Put her in the UFC Hall of Fame for that alone. Two, She is so skilled, a phenomenal striker, an exciting striker, but she wasn't scared to go down to the ground. And when she got down to the ground in those scrambles, she was able to succeed against one of the better wrestlers in that division. When you listen to her post-fight interviews, this is a very, very focused person who wants nothing more than just to win this championship, continue to improve. And when you look at her, she kind of reminds me of Demetrius Johnson. When it comes to her role in the MMA landscape, I feel like there's a great probability that as a two-time champion at 33 years old, she's going to piece together a nice win streak as champion and build her legacy. She may not get her roses when it comes to attention and popularity, but when I look at the skills she's displayed in her career thus far and how amazing she looked on Saturday night. I do believe Zhang, when she retires, will go down as a top five female fighter of all time.
1: Let me throw this one out. And I heard someone else bring this one up. So I can't say this is original thought process. I mean, I heard it and I was like, yeah, I'd be down for that one. Valentina versus Wei Lee. Oh,
0: you talk about making a case to be a top five fighter of all time. That's how you do it, my man. That's a great look. I think. I think you got to do that fight eventually. But, God, that's a great fight. That That's a really good fight. I'm, I'm excited about the idea that happened. I do think what's next for her, I think it's kind of obvious. Like, when you look at her stand-up, let's have her fight Lamos. Like, dude, that's a fight. Mm-hmm. That's a damn good fight. That's going to be a barn burner, and Lamos is going to test that chin. And, again, Zayn needs to be promoted more. I know it's hard to promote someone who... Uh, it's hard in an American audience to promote non-English speakers, even though Zhang has used some English. But Zhang is just very entertaining. Again, she fought Carlos Barza. The fight was really freaking good. Zhang like, craves contact, craves combat. She's aggressive, and she's confident in her skills that she can hang when she takes risk with her offense. And that's what makes her just an exciting champion. So, like, yeah, man. Lay Motion Zang, that that's got Fight of the Night written all over it. If Marina Rodriguez puts together some wins, that sounds like a damn good fight as well. And I think, you know, we may see her fight Andrage also.
1: What about the trilogy matchup against Rose?
0: Yeah, I think that's also something that when it comes to making yourself a top five fighter, that's gotta happen. And then the other thing is, not that she's gonna contend for a championship, but there is some rumors that Joanna may return. And uh, I don't necessarily think she's going to be super successful. Yeah, I know. Oh, what a shocker! Oh, right?
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! A fighter retires and they're not retired. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I you, yeah. Who fight? Who Come fights? On.
0: Who? Okay, who fights first? Yawana, Cejudo, or Jones?
1: Ooh, ooh. Or Frankie jo- Edgar. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a second.
0: Yeah, sorry, um, I just cut you off.
1: John Jones would seem like the most likely. I would, say, if I was going to rank him, I'd rank him Jones, Saudo, Yolanda.
0: Yeah, I think. Look, I think it's pretty much a luck that Jones and Saudo are going to have a fight in the next twelve months. You know, Saudo's back in the testing pool.
1: Okay, like I, I think you see John Jones first quarter of twenty twenty three at some point.
0: Yeah. But I also, I mean, I think he might see Cejudo and Aljo at some point, too.
1: Oh, you, know. did you didn't you see what uh, Aljo wants? He wants the money fight. Who's he want? Sugar Sean O'Malley. He, he's calling that the money fight.
0: Yeah, that fight's going to happen next. Yeah, you're right. So, okay, so then who does Cejudo fight if Aljo's booked with Sean? Does he is he fight Volkanovsky at featherweight? <laughs> no, because he got the interim champion. Situation. I like someone
1: like Corey Sandhagen.
0: I just, yeah, I mean, that's a great fight, but I have a feeling that is not going to take a fight that's not for a championship.
1: Oh, I agree. I, I think he wants, yeah. I would think he would want that, that, that tile matchup right at the start. You mentioned about uh, Frankie Edgar, and man, you, you, you hate to see it, "Quote unquote," end like that because, well, you know, I don't believe that R word in combat sports. You never should believe that R word. I don't care if it's Habib Nurmagomedov. You don't believe that R word. But it made me, you know, when you see. I remember when I initially saw the the picture of the end of that fight. It made me think about the Sonnen line, where Shelsanen, uh you know, has said previously of unfortunately the way that this career ends for a majority of fighters is that you're staring up at the lights. And, man, I did not see that going that way. Kudos to Chris Gutierrez for pulling that off. But, man, its I hope this is the end of Frankie Edgar. But, it, Daniel, you just know this. Unfortunately, there will be a promoter at some point that will try to get him out of retirement.
0: Yeah, he's 41 years old, so I feel like there's like a nine-year period where he might come back. I think once you hit 50, that's probably it. From most guys, not all of them, obviously. Uh, I think I'm going to agree that we never see Frankie in the UFC again. It's just, God, it's sad because he fought some real killers, but it's sad that his last three fights went the way they did. I mean, brutal knockout after brutal knockout after brutal knockout, the loss of Sanhagen, the meme to Vera, the loss to Gutierrez, all three of them were very similar in that for half a second, I was like, Frankie Edgar's in the shadow realm right now. And uh, it, it, it's sad to see. The UFC did him no favors when it came to the, uh, the the finishing stretch, bro. They put him against three killers for God knows what reason. Chris Cutharis is really, really talented. A hell of a striker. And I'm looking forward to his career. Frankie is a legend. One of the best lighter weight fighters of all time. I do believe it's the last time we've seen him in the UFC.
1: I hope you're right. I really hope you're right because when you see and you do, you think about that that the the photo of Cheeto Vera knocking him out, and you just hope that you know even if Frankie does, I mean, look, you know, he's he's an athlete. He's going to want to probably compete in some way. You just hope that maybe there's someone in his family that will say, "Hey, Frankie, it is time. It is time to walk away from this woman." Man, that was just uh, you know, it's unfortunate to see that one go out there. In in that light, of course, we had Dustin Poy and Michael Chandler. We talked about last week on the podcast how much you're interested in that. And uh, just kind of a man, bloody mess uh, is one way to describe that matchup there. And, uh, you know, for Michael Chandler, like some of these comments I've seen from him, like, you know, I understand you want the Conor McGregor fight, but if I'm Conor, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if Connor wants to go there. Um, you know, I saw Gamrot called out Chandler in this one. Eddie Alvarez on Twitter says he believes RDA would beat Chandler. Daniel, I agree with Eddie Alvarez in that assumption.
0: How do you think that fight plays out exactly? Why do you favor RDA against Chandler?
1: I th- Look, the thing with Chandler is we, if he would become a wrestler... I would have more faith in him going and win there, but to me, he's about putting on a show at this point in, in his career, and I just think that RDA will use a would mix all aspects of mixed martial arts and would beat Chandler.
0: Yeah, it would be a good fight for sure, and maybe that's what's next. I think when I analyze that fight, I would disagree with Eddie. I would pick Chandler against Raphael. I mean, you look at that fight against Poirier. First and foremost, shocker! It was a hell of a fight, back and forth fight. We we went into round one was just crazy good but we went into round three where it was even I mean Dustin's one of the best fighters on the planet Chandler had him even going into round three and then Chandler got himself in a really bad position where Poye had the choke and it was just a matter of the second Poye got his hand free he was going to get the finish so I think look Chandler as a UFC lightweight champion doesn't seem very likely he still appears to be an elite fighter I think from a name value standpoint He's almost at the level of a Connor fight, but I don't think that's next for him. I think a Gamrot fight just makes a lot of sense. That's just a great fight. And for his role in the UFC, I think moving forward, he's probably going to be used as someone that could be a platform for the Gamrot-type guys to make a name, but someone who has more than enough talent to take care of these dudes at 155. He still looked like an exceptional fighter. He just went up against a really, really talented guy in Dustin.
1: Yeah, no question about it. I, I did hear that this uh, this event set the record for the UFC for most first round finishes. Uh, Nato McConnell going out there and Brad Riddell, uh you know, not announcing his retirement, but saying, I'm going to take some time off now and, and reevaluate everything. And Nato with a great post fight interview uh, in that one. Uh, Ryan Spann going out there again. D- Dan Hooker going out there and doing uh, what he did. By the way, did you see the picture? You know, we, we've always, there's always this talk about how big Montel Jackson's hands are. Did you see that image of him putting his hand up against Francis and to show he truly does have huge hands?
0: I can't literally compute it. The idea that a bantamweight has bigger hands than the heavyweight champion of the world. That was crazy. Um, yeah. That, uh, this fight card was great, dude. It was awesome. Top to bottom, there were so many great fights. The only two fights that I didn't really care for was, I guess, Monto Jackson, Julio Arce, and then Andre Petroska, Petroska and Wellington Terman weren't super exciting, mm-hmm. but uh, everything else was really good. Um, okay, so like there were a lot of fighters you look at and you're like, gosh darn, the potential was bright. First and foremost, Erin Blanchfield looks like a future champion at Women's Flyweight. I mean, she looks and it reminds me of, like, Hamzat Shemaev. <laughs> the way she just took down Molly McCann, put her in a crucifix position, beat her down, locked on the Kimura, completely stifled the run of meatball. Um, Aaron Blanchfield, out of anyone that's not a champion, I think has the best odds of becoming a champion in the future. She looks amazing, and she's super young. Ryan Spann against Dominic Reyes also looked very good. Oh, by the way, Matt McCann Blanchfield fight uh, on the ESPN feed, for some reason, for like two minutes, it shows, like, IP address, and it shows a number, and then it has, like, the, for some reason, something happened. I just wanted to point that out. That was really weird. And then it went full blackout, and it came back, and the picture looked good. But Ryan Spann, he talked about his post-fight interview. This is the first time he's really fully training for longer than three weeks, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, is this a new contender light heavyweight? He looked like it. Dominic Reyes, I don't know what the hell he's got to do to get back, but uh, I think mm. the answer is he probably won't be able to do so. And Mokano looked phenomenal as you mentioned uh he just looks he just looked amazing on the feet oh my gosh and then bringing it down getting the sub and then uh, i guess lastly i will point out that carlos julberg at light heavyweight in that opener he had a kind of a defensive approach was moving backwards against uh nikolai nikamareno but julberg's stand up was very poised very effective you look at his frame he projects as someone who has a lot of potential at 205.
1: By the way, I did watch the first two fights live in Germany. Uh-huh. So it started at midnight. After we got through the first two fights, I was like, "Uh, yeah, I need to go to bed. I need to go to bed."
0: Yeah, that's what happens when you watch Montel Jackson, Julio Arce. That I would have put should have put you to sleep. Well, By I I,
1: I had to be up at eight a.m. Uh, and so uh, so yeah, I was like, yeah, I need to get some sleep because tomorrow's gonna be a long day.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would have been up till about two a.m. or three a.m. Watching no, this no, or four a.m. Probably. Five, like six a six, six like six a.m. You just would have never slept
1: because the pay per view would pay per view would have started at uh so it's a six hour time difference. So then four mm-hmm. four a.m. pay per view start time. Okay, yeah. Prelim yeah, started made, at midnight.
0: You made the you made the right choice falling asleep. And had you stayed up that next fight, Michael Trizano Choi Sang Woo, that might have kept you up those two guys had a bar murder they didn't win five of the night, but they deserved it they deserve it that fight is probably going to get forgotten to history because there are so many things to talk about but Choi, man he brought it despite losing to Trizano, that was a hell of a fight
1: uh of course as we start to kind of move forward here uh one of the bigger news items of the week daniel was a fact of we finally have the pay-per-view price point for the PFL. And, uh, you know, Daniel, look, at the, at the end of the day, I, this is not really a surprise. Uh, a couple of months ago, when Don Davis had done an interview with Aaron Bronsetter of TSN, he had mentioned uh, a, a price point of $50, and the PFL comes out this week and announces that the price point is going to be forty nine ninety nine. dollars 99 And, uh, you know, Daniel, I put it on Twitter. I was like, you know what? You know, my, my first two observations was, A., wasn't surprised on the price point. Um, and, and number two, it's like, you know, look, I want to see the PFL succeed, but it's one of those things where I'm like at a $50 price point, I, I just think they are going to massively struggle trying to convince your hardcore MMA fan to, to buy this. I, I just, I, you know, I I hope they succeed. I really do. And I would love to know what the buy rate number for them, what what they would consider a success, but like sometimes when we talk about these subjects, Daniel, I want to take off my hat of the guy that's been in this industry covering sport for a decade, and just put my hat on as a combat sports fan and go, "Hey, is this worth the money?" And I'm like, and here here's the honest PFL. You may not like me saying this, Florida State, Florida. Is next Friday at 7.30. I'm not behind the PFL pay-per-view. Now, if you told me this pay-per-view was $24.99, $29.99, I think you would have a better chance to get me, but asking me to fork over $50 to essentially watch a pay-per-view after the fact, it's a hard no for me, and it's just based on this fight card.
0: Yikes. Yikes. The fact that they were not coming out about what the price point was until a week before their pay-per-view, mas o menos, give or take, lets you know they know this is a bad idea. This fight card is worth... The subscription fee of ESPN Plus and not a dollar more. I hate to say it, but this fight card does not get me excited. This is great. It's the tournament final. We've watched the tournaments. These are great fighters. This is not a pay-per-view quality card. This is not a card that's worth 50 f'n dollars. I know inflation is real, but it hasn't been that significant that this card is worth 50 dollars. Jason. There is not a single person in this world that is at a bar saying, I'm excited for Brandon Lovnain versus Bubba Jenkins. There's not a single person in this world at a jiu-jitsu class that's like, I can't wait for Rob Wilkinson versus Omar Yakmedov. There's not someone who's like, man, that sucks that Shane Burgles pulled out, but that Marais and Marais clash, that's worth $50. There's not a person who's like, Larissa Pacheco, can she do it? Can she dethrone Kayla Harrison? I'm going to spend $50 on a fight headlined by Larissa Pacheco. That person doesn't exist. There is very few people on this planet that are going to purchase this pay-per-view and feel good about it. Just the family and friends of these fighters, and I will buy this pay per view because I'm going to talk about this fight car whenever it happens because these are good and relevant fights. But after being accustomed to watching the season finale be, through my ESPN Plus subscription on cable, I, uh, I, I, I just I don't know how this does a good number. This is absurd.
1: I, look, I, I, I texted you this when it came out. I said this could be either. It's like a make or break moment for Kayla Harrison, because maybe this show, it's going to tell us whether or not she has drawing power. And like, it's going to be the message of Chris Cyborg of, Hey, do you potentially have a dance partner in Kayla Harrison? It could go one way or the other. I mean, if this thing bombs on pay-per-view, it's going to be a bad look for Kayla Harrison. It's just like, I understand why the PFL is going the pay per view route. I truly do understand. I mean, they're paying out a lot of money to these fighters. I mean, who knows what ESPN Plus is paying them? But like, I don't. I like I understand why they're going to the pay per view route. But like, I try to sit there and say, as a MMA podcast, we sit here and say, let's talk about this as combat sports fans. Like, how many times throughout this season of the PFL did you find yourself watching the PFL live? For me, it. It was a, a rarity. I mean, there were times where I would be out and about, you know, grabbing some dinner or grabbing some drinks with, with, you know, whether it's my wife or, or with some buddies and the PFL would not even be on when it was on ESPN2, you know, and like I had somebody the other day ask me, they said, Hey Jason, I know you're in the bar industry. You know, have you even entertained the thought of the PFL pay-per-view at one of your establishments? I said, I go, look, I haven't made the call yet. I'm sure that, you know, if Johan promotions is selling it, they'll give us a call and they'll tell us what the price point is. But like, yeah, it's, it's a pass for me. Like, cause I mean, the reality is, I can just say being in the, uh, the sports bar industry if it's not UFC, you rarely have someone say, "Hey, do you have the Bellator fights on? Do you have the PFL fights on, or, or whatever organization out there?" Like, I I hope this succeeds, uh, Daniel. I really do. I hope this succeeds. But I'm just sitting there and, and like I started looking at some of the comments that fans were putting on Facebook or or Twitter, man, and they were awful. I mean, they I mean it was not good. And um, I know there was a we had a comment from a listener that I'm pretty sure was in relation to this. Um, and I'm um, pulling it up right here. Uh, yes, this is from uh, at Bucky underscore Sanders. He says, and that pay- PFL pay-per-view price going to blow up in their faces. They have nobody on that card that's worth paying $50 for, LLL. I'm sorry, but Kayla ain't fighting nobody, so it ain't worth spending all that money for nothing. And I and I can't blame him for having that mindset. Like, at the end of the day, when it comes... It, now, if you told me this was Kayla Harris and Chris Cyborg... Okay, I'd fork over the $50. I would.
0: Yes, sir. I would, too. I would, too. And, and that's why I would put a little pushback on the idea that it's make or break for Kayla. Even if this bombs, I don't think this is a break situation for Kayla Harrison. Mm-hmm. But I will admit that if it succeeds, it's a make moment for Kayla Harrison. If Kayla yep. is a draw, you are totally right. That shows you that Kayla Harrison... Can go on pay per view and draw without a opponent that makes it interesting, the, but in terms of breaking, I still feel like if this does a really bad number, she may not have as she won't have as much leverage. That is hundred percent true, but she's still a marketable superstar fighter to book with. But again, like Leo Bel to two eighty eight, I would tell you that I'm more excited about Nen versus Anderson and Pitbull versus Usman. Than any fight on the PFL pay-per-view. I, oh, I would
1: say I, that. I agree with you. I totally agree. That's with you. on
0: that's on Showtime. What, Jason, when you look at PFL 10, what is the most marketable fight on there?
1: Not named Kayla Harrison?
0: No, you have to include Kayla Harrison. Is it Kayla Harrison versus Pacheco? It, is that the- it? Ha- it
1: has to be. It has and, and it's because of Sorry. Kayla. Um, you know, I mean, look, when I when I think about Kayla the fighter, one of my question marks is what happens if someone can keep it on the feet, can she win a kickboxing matchup? We all know how, inc- how incredible she is with her judo. And when she gets that thing to the ground, the fight's over. It, it, it kind of like, it think, it takes me back to the heyday of Ronda Rousey. The, the big question mark was always, well, what happens if Ronda Rousey cannot get the fight to the ground? And that's the question I have about Kayla Harrison. But it look like after that, Oof, man. Um, like, look, like, Laughlin and Jenkins is an interesting fight, but I think if Bubba wins, that's me. That, to me, that means he 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 wrestled left him to the ground. You know. Yeah. Um, it. God, like I. It might be Auburn Mercier, Stevie Ray. Right? Yeah, would probably, be my number yeah. two fight.
0: It, that is probably my number two fight. But just to look at what you said here, the most marketable fight on this card is a fight we've seen two times before on ESPN 2. Not ESPN, ESPN 2. And we've seen what has happened, and Kayla has won convincingly against Pacheco. Pacheco has improved. This is insane. And I hate to be like this, because every single fighter on this card is really talented, and they're really good, and I will watch these fights. But there needs to be someone in the PFL inner circle that just says, hey, bro, we're not ready to do this yet. Hey, dude, hey, gal, hey, person, we don't have a fight car that's worth $50 yet. There needs to be someone that knows that up is up and down is down, and this ain't worth 50 bucks, and need to say it because this... Pay-per-view being worth $50 tells me there is just too many yes people in this organization. We'll see. Uh, All the power to them. I wish them success. I'm just spitting it how I see it.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's another example of how in the mixed martial arts industry that combat sports promoters try to get every little dollar they can out of the M.A. fan, and it's now for me. I mean, look, I'm a diehard FSU fan, so you know what I'm doing next Friday night. That's a seven thirty kickoff. You know, Daniel, I don't know if you've realized this. I I know it's a little rough for you in college football these days, but uh, FSU football is actually relevant again. And uh, this is a relevant game. You know, Ford is doing well. So, like, for me, that's what I'll, like, I'll be sitting on the couch. Maybe I'll have that fighting spirit of Modello in me. Or maybe it'll be a little Stella in me. Or maybe it's a combination of the two. But I'm going to be sitting on the couch next Friday. And I'm watching that game. Now, will I monitor what's going on with the PFL? Yes. Like, I will say this. Like, it's just, but like you mentioned, it's like it comes down to, if you're putting something on pay per view, you gotta feel like it's a premium product, and I think that if I, like, if I go out on a Saturday, this Saturday night, or excuse me, Saturday afternoon, because the UFC card is an afternoon uh, card this week, and you're you're at a place that's showing the UFC, and, and let's just say there's ten people at the bar who are clearly there to watch the fights. If I ask those ten people, "Hey, are you forking over fifty bucks to buy the PFL pay per view?" I'd be surprised if two of them said yes. I, I may I'm, be surprised if one of them said yes.
0: Yeah, I'd be surprised if one says yes. I mean, it's going to be a really bad buy rate. I do. But uh, I, I um,
1: look like like this is my thing. Why not just try, you know, put the thing on ESPN?
0: Yeah, they should have done that. If they were going to go on pay-per-view, they should have spent the money to get Nate Diaz to come and fight for them. If they were going to go on pay-per-view. They should have gone on business with Jake Paul. Mm-hmm. If they were going to go on pay per view. They should have backed up the Brinks truck and given it to Cyborg. They don't have the fight. They don't have the fight.
1: Uh, it is very clear to me. Cyborg's returning the Bellator.
0: Oh hundred, yeah. When you listen to her interview with Ariel Hawani, she's she's uh, if she's doing she, business in mixed martial arts, it's with Scott Coker.
1: It, it, it's when you listen to her talk. It is very clear to me. She wants to be in business with someone she trusts and she trusts Scott Coker. Now, the problem for Scott Coker is what fights can you make that intrigue the audience out there? And like, as we kind of you know move forward to Bellator 288, I mean, like, look, the past couple bellator cards, let's just be honest about it. Haven't been the cards that get you excited. You look at this fight car on Friday Kudos to Bellator. I mean, look, we're a show here that we're not going to sit there and give you PR for MMA promotion and tell you every card is great. We're going to sit here and be honest with you. And, you know, I know there's probably people out there that'll think I'm a show for Bellator. Like, this is a solid Bellator fight card. You look at that, that main card, you know, it's a, it's a solid main card. Now, does Usain and Romano Magoff deserve a lightweight title shot? No, he doesn't. But This is a solid one, and I'll throw an agree-disagree out at you, Daniel. Corey Anderson, we saw how this first fight went. I think a lot of people might call him the uncrowned Bellator light heavyweight champion. If Corey Anderson goes out and does what most people believe he's going to do on Friday night, is Corey Anderson the best light heavyweight in the world? Oh, God. It's... Look... I understand that. I think a lot of people would likely disagree and say, currently, as we sit here, November 16, 2022, that Yuri is the best 205 pound fighter in the world. But we saw, I mean, Corey Anderson was dominating Vadim Nimkov. And I thought Vadim Nimkov, I thought he had a case to be considered the best light heavyweight in the world. But, like, I, you, because look, we both know Scott Coker. Is going to call whoever wins this fight the best two hundred five pound fighter in the world. We both know that. Yeah, but so, I think Corey Anderson has a legitimate case if he goes out there and destroys Vadim Nemkov on Friday night.
0: Yeah, okay. When you look at that wording, I would agree with it. Case, he has a case for it. I, I think if he goes and destroys Nemkov, I mean we'll see how he looks. But I still think if you told me Anderson was lined up and slated to fight Yuri, who's your pick, Daniel? despite the fact you have a clear path to victory for Corey Anderson, I would still pick Yuri to beat him. And I'd probably pick Glover to beat him as well. And there may be another light heavyweight who I'm not thinking of that I would have picked to beat him too. But that's just my pick. When you talk about the idea of making a case, I think Corey Anderson, with an impressive win over Nemkov, you could make that case. And look, I at like a belt's are 288 even though Usman doesn't deserve this opportunity quite yet over some other lightweights, I do believe after Bellator 288, we're going to have two new champions. I think both Corey Anderson and Usman Armagamadov will become champions after Bellator 288.
1: Look, if I am Patricky Pitbull in this matchup, my thought process has come out and just come out with a barrage at Usman Armagamadov. I would imagine, um, even though, you know, when, you know, when I think of Usman, uh, obviously a lot of people look at Nermagamadov's name. They think about grappling. I think about what he can do on the feet. I would think that you probably see him try to take this one to the ground. But yeah, I mean, like, even though I do not think that Usman Nermagamadov deserves this one, I do believe that we are going to see Usman Nermagamadov be crowned the Bellator lightweight champion. I mean, look, I, I think, uh, you know, there's fires, and I know Patrick, uh Pitbull has talked about that this week, that he feels that there were other fires that were much more. Um, you know, deserving of this. You know, I think of Musayev, you know, of course he has that win over Petriki. To me, that would have been the fight. That's a fight I would have made if I was Bellator, but I understand why they went with Usman made Madoff here. Um, you know, but look, I, I think overall it's a Bellator fight card that I'm really looking forward to on Friday night. Uh, you know, it's one of those fight cards that, you know, I look top to bottom, uh, Roman Feraldo, if you have not seen this guy fight, this is pure excitement. Uh, that's a matchup. Uh, it's unfortunate we're not seeing the uh, Jalon Bates and, and Jordan Lugo fight that fight with Scratch earlier on this week. But when you look at this preliminary card, we'll get more to the main card here in a second. I will tell you, here are the names to pay attention to when it comes to prospects. Archie Colgan, Lucas Brennan, Sullivan Colley, Jordan Newman. Those are the names if you're watching on preliminary card. Those are the prospects in Bellator to pay attention to. But um, I, I think Bellator has done a great job of building a nice fight card here. You know, it... I mean, we've talked about this over the past couple of months. It seems like Bellator is kind of becoming the, the forgotten promotion in mixed martial arts. And and I think that PFL definitely has a very good case to call themselves the number two MMA organization in the world. But uh, I, I really like this Bellator fight card on Friday.
0: Yeah, it presents an opportunity for Bellator to get some momentum. They've had a few lame duck events. And you can have the NEMCOP bike card. You can follow this up in December with Stotts and Sabatello, which I think Sabatello and Stotts will do plenty of trash talk to get that fight some heat. Uh, you, you, and sh- then, you,
1: sure? you sure about that?
0: I not think not I Danny.
1: P- no, not Danny. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then uh, Josh Thompson just paid me $15 to say, you got to watch this dream car that is Bell versus Ryzen. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And uh, if I don't mention it, I'm a shield for uh, the UFC. So there's that. But look, uh, you look at the rest of this main card. I-, I mentioned great German mixed martial arts fighters. One of the top German mixed martial arts fighters ever is Daniel Weichel, mm-hmm. and he's out there taking on Team Kisriff. I'm looking forward to seeing that fight. And, uh, yeah, Tyrell Fortune, a uh, pretty good heavyweight. Should be uh, successful against Daniel James. And um, Belter 288, man, it's a good little fight card. There's quite a few good little fight cards this weekend, ain't there? I mean, hell, even... <sighs> I think, I think tomorrow we have an Invicta card as well. well that might be today. could be wrong about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's tonight.
0: Yeah, I'm going to watch that because I'm going to have some time in between that one and the 1FC show. And uh, they, I, there's some interesting stuff on that Invicta card. And that's kind of a good thing about the Ultimate Fighter is, um, you know, a lot of those uh, female fighters didn't make the UFC. But I'm familiar with them now. I've heard their story. I know who they are. And now I can turn on an Invicta and I can watch them fight. So, you know, Invicta. Kind of getting some of the uh, Ultimate Fighter love. I believe there was a one of the fighters from that season is, is fighting tonight, and I believe there's a tournament going on too. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: You know what I would love to do, and and I, and I always have great conversations with Danny Sabatello. Like if I wasn't in San Francisco the weekend of this one, like I would like just go with the Mohegan and like a date or two for, and just sit at the bar and have a uh, a pub talk with Danny Sabatello because I feel like that would be some interesting things might get said.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, Danny in front of the mic is, is absolutely magic.
1: Oh, man, he, he is I, I've said this. He is one of my favorite interviews because I do feel like sometimes I can kind of get him out of Danny Sabatello promoter and I just get Danny.
0: Yeah, that's a that's that's a that's an interesting thing because you do see him on the big stage. You so you know, you see that big interview he had with Ariel where it was him and his dad at the same time and if you can get someone to kind of peel back the layer where obviously they kind of are playing a character and you get that, that's, that's golden.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's, he's hilarious to talk to. I mean, it's just one of those, those guys absolutely uh, love to talk to. I'll get him on, on the podcast uh, before we get there. Um, Tyrell of fortune is a part of this card. Of course uh, he's, you know, he's been in Bellator for all of his career. Uh, so looking forward to that one. But uh, of course, also we got UFC on Saturday prelims, early start time, Daniel, Twelve o'clock Central Time Zone there for you in the Rio Grande with the prelims. Uh, of course, uh, for me here in the East Coast, uh, one o'clock uh, Eastern Time, and of course the main card be at four p.m. each time. As we got a heavyweight matchup, Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak, uh, and Jakku against uh, Kutilaba is your main, uh, is your co-main event here. Uh, of course, I was all about uh, the main event in terms of this one with Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak. Sergey Spivak uh, nearly a two to one betting favored uh in this one i mean look we, we both know with Derek lewis i mean he, he's got that one punch knockout power but like if you're sergey spivak you know the mindset's gotta be utilize your crap on this one don't get into a brawl with the black beast
0: yeah yeah i, I agree i think the uh the game plan for your spivak has to be really obvious and this is a big fight for Derek lewis because i feel like he, if he loses here and this could be a downward slope he's at in his career uh he really needs this one he's a slight dog here against speed it's a tough matchup and you know derek isn't fighting in texas so maybe he'll perform better than usual uh i'm looking forward to this fight i think it's gonna be a great fight derek lewis is a great main eventer in this fight i am picking Spivak. i will say this fight night card you know it's in the apex when you see it, it it's not super great but i will say i am very much looking forward to seeing and he's a heavy favorite but Jack Della Madalena Uh he's hella he's hella talented. Hella talented. Great Walter White. I think he's set up to get another finish here. He's taking on um Danny Roberts. And uh that's uh that I mean Jack Della is my number two reason for watching this fight card. Yeah, he
1: is a incredible talent uh that the UFC has here. Uh you know, uh Andre Fijo has is really, I mean he, he, I, me and Pete talk about this in the DFS shows that we do is, you know, there, there's fires you see earlier on in their career and you see the evolution of them. And and we we correlate Andre Fialho and, and Joaquin Buckley. Like when you think about both those guys in Bellator, though we, the, the versions of them in Bellator are, are long gone and they have just a super exciting fighter here. Uh, Chase Sherman, uh, of course, he's supposed to have a fight there two weeks ago. His opponent uh, had to pull out on fight day, uh, taking on Waldo Cortez Acosta, who's coming off a win just two weeks ago. Um, you know, that's that's a, a, interesting there. Uh, you know, Kenny Injeku, he is interesting. He's only 29 years old. He's got a massive frame for 205 pounds, 6'5", 83-inch reach. Um, he's one of those guys that, I think, I think we may have gotten down on him at one point, but it's like, man, you're 29 years old at 205 pounds. Like, like you're like a baby in this sport. Like, you, you know, like when I think about you hitting your prime as a 205-pound fighter, I'm thinking like you're 32, 33, 34, 35 years old. Like, this guy, like, he... Like, when we talk about fighters that intrigue us of what they could be not just now, but a couple years from now, Kennedy is one of those guys for me.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, his stock rose, and he wasn't even fighting this past Saturday with the way Carlos Juhlberg performed. You're right. He has a win over Juhlberg and I believe that was Juhlberg's debut and the promotion could be wrong about that, but it, it shows the, the promise of Kennedy. And you mentioned 30 years old is pretty young for this weight class. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he goes on a run here and puts things together because he certainly has shown he's got a lot of great tools. And I'm excited for this fight because in addition to the promise of Kennedy, you know Ian Kutalaba is going to bring the fight. He's a consistently mm-hmm. entertaining fighter that creates conflict in the cage. So the top two fights I'm pretty excited for. And even uh, Ricky Tercios on, on, on the prelims at Bantamweight. Uh, he's he's always a guy I got my eye on following You know him competing on the Ultimate Fighter. But, uh, again, overall, thumbs down on this card, I must say. You know, we keep it real here. I let you know if it's thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. This fight night, thumbs down.
1: I'm looking to see if there's a prop bet of Kenny jack who wins round three. Plus 850, I like that prop bet.
0: What do you like about that? Why, why are you thinking – that might happen that
1: he has the cardio and kutalaba doesn't that kutalaba i i think that i would expect that you see kennedy try to utilize some grappling to wear down ian kutalaba uh in this matchup uh i'll be honest with you i really had not looked at the betting odds um before we started doing the show here so this is kind of like a a live uh live look here so let me um just had it up here a second ago let me find it here okay here we go uh let's see here um Derek Lewis, plus 165. I think that if you're going to look to play Derek Lewis there, maybe find a Derek Lewis by knockout prop there. But I think Sergey Spivak uh, goes out there uh, and gets the win. Um, Andre Philo, minus 105. I kind of like that one there. Yeah, you mentioned about Jack Dell, Madalena, minus 560.
0: Yeah, there is one fight I like. There's one odds I like. I really like um, Jennifer Maya as a slight dog against Marina Murrow's. Okay. Morose is on a very impressive win streak in terms of three wins in a row, Maya two losses in a row, but they've each fought different caliber of quality of competition, so when I see that situation where they're meeting each other and I see Maya as a slight dog, I, I like I like the idea of laying down some, some on Jennifer Maya here, so I think there's value.
1: I was just looking over the Bellator odds, and yeah, definitely. Uh, uh you want Corey Anderson went inside the distance, uh, minus one ten. You're not really finding much, a uh, uh, value on that one. He's a minus two twenty five betting favorite over there, uh, in terms of uh, on DraftKings. Uh, man, Usman or Maga Madoff is nearly a six and a half to one favorite.
0: Wow! If you like the idea of Patrik blitzing Usman or, or finishing him, that's that's appetizing. But I don't see that happening one bit. I mean that that madoff camp is just uh, it's they're brewing something special, and it's a it's a camp of absolute killers. It's hard to pick against those those fellows.
1: So I mentioned about the prospects on the prelims. Just to pay attention to here. Yes, sir. You ready for these betting odds? I'm ready. I got my calculator out. Lucas Brennan minus six forty five solvevin Collie okay. minus 560 Jordan Newman minus 1050 Archie Colgan minus 750
0: I feel like they're being set up to win here
1: so let's just say let's say we wanted to parlay those four guys together of course you can uh, be, great place to do this is over best fight odds uh if you're not checking out best fight odds best place to go there uh, for um if you parlay those four fighters together, you still can't get plus money. It's minus one forty five.
0: Uh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's uh, you're just giving away money at that point. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll see an upset there. But uh, that's funny. Uh, that might that's an interesting betting strategy. Maybe we can get ask James Krause if he has any advice.
1: <sighs> Oof. It's been it's been a rough week for James Krause.
0: Yeah. It has. It has been a rough week. I feel bad for him. Again, I like his YouTube channel, but uh, damn, poor dude.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Of course, last week on the show, we talked about you know the whole controversy there with the Derek Miner fight, and for people who have not seen, uh, Mark Ramondi has a great piece up on ESPN.com this week. Uh, it's called UFC Confidential: Inside the Precarious State of Betting on MMA for Fighters and Coaches. And of course, um, yeah, you know, he mentioned about yeah, you know, he talked to people, but well, they didn't want they didn't want their names on the record. Um, but uh, you know, the, the biggest takeaway I took from that article. Was the fact of there was a coach saying how basically they saw something backstage and they placed a bet.
0: Yeah, they saw they saw a dude didn't like what they saw and bet against him. That was the lead of the article. Then I'm like, man, that's juicy, and that was the best part of the article. It was a good article, uh, but you know, it, 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 it's it's a topic that I feel like we're just starting this conversation, and it's going to progress. I do feel like there will be other events around gambling, around coaches gambling, maybe around James Krause that will happen in the future. It just feels like, you know, it, it, it's something we're going to continue to talk about because what appears to be happening is not everyone has taken the memo to heart that Hunter Campbell put out about team and fighters not betting.
1: I very much could be wrong about the situation, but I just feel like at some point here in the near future, maybe it's not a week from now, maybe it's not two weeks from now, but maybe sometime in the next three or six months that the UFC is going to make an example of somebody that ultimately is not really going to affect what they do you know a a low a a preliminary card fighter maybe you know someone that maybe gets on the main car whatnot but like yeah i feel like for james kraus and look i like you i love listening to him breaking down fights he's absolutely tremendous but i do feel like he's putting himself in a very bad position and you know it's going to be interesting to see if we ever learn about the findings of the US integrity in terms of this Derek Miner situation from two weeks ago, but like I just feel like at some point the UFC is gonna make an example out of somebody.
0: I sorry. Look, James Krause, don't think you're watching this. Don't think you're listening to this. But if you are, much like how the PFL needs someone in the room to say, cut it out, I'm gonna be that guy for you, James. You gotta make a decision. Do you want to be a gambling tout? Do you want to be a coach? You need to make that decision. Trust me, bro. That's all I gotta say. Because he can't do both. I'm telling you, that is that is that is a situation where you mm-hmm. you can tell they want to make an example out of someone, and you can still be an analyst. You can work at the UFC, be a broadcaster, but obviously there is a priority to distance the athletes and their coaches from betting. So for James, the advice I would give him is make that decision on where he wants to go with his life because I don't think he can have the best of both worlds. I don't think he can be a coach and continue to gamble. Obviously, in the memo, that goes against the memo. But uh, that's the advice I would give James.
1: Yeah, I mean, on that situation, it also makes me wonder – what do the fighters who James Krause, their head coach, think about it? You know, I, like, I, is, you know, I mean, look, and James has stayed quiet. I have not seen any comment from James Krause about this situation, which that's interesting.
0: Yeah, it's a sticky situation. I think it's one of those things when if you find yourself in a deal like this, you
1: just don't comment on it. Oh, no question. Oh yeah. No question. It would be dumb for him to comment because you know that you, you know, if it's not happened yet, you know, at some point the U S integrity is coming to James Krause.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, because it's, uh, I mean, it was a very suspicious situation and it, it appears that he's been at this point forward. It appears as though it's business as usual, but you know, you had people that were concerned about the line movement and, uh, He was someone who's a very, very high-profile voice in the gambling community, and he was associated with that fight. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it it could have just been a situation that was just a coincidence, and that's probably what it was. But, again, moving forward, I I just think it'd be important for him to to figure out what he wants to do because I don't think he can do both.
1: Oh no, I'm with you. And it's just, it's one of these things of you, you got like, you know, I keep thinking about it and Mark wrote this in his piece about how there were state regulators uh, and jurisdictions that were going to Hunter Campbell about this. I'm like, this has to be Nevada has to be Nevada. Like who else would go to the UFC about this? Like, you know, 85% of the UFC events are are in the state of Nevada. Um, By the way, speaking of uh, jurisdictions, I'm hearing more and more regulators are going to approve Slap Fighting Championship. (laughs) Did did you see they have a TV deal? They're going to be on on, uh, TBS in 2023. Jesus. Jesus. I'm just saying this right now. Dana, Lorenzo, you know who you got to try to get in the Slap Fighting Championships, right? Nate Diaz. Nate and Nick Diaz come on the stock is slap. How are we not getting them on this show? We
0: should have a fantasy league where we just put bets on who Nate Diaz will slap this week.
1: I um, I saw a tweet from Damon Martin about this because so there was a uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission meeting today and so um, I guess this was kind of like the final stage for uh slap Fighting championship. To uh, get their uh, license. And let me find the tweet here. Uh, t- t- so, it, this is a tweet it says uh, Power Slap, which is the Slap Fighting Championship, uh, granted promoter's license, uh, rules approved by Nevada Athletic Commission. And, and Damon Wright says, During one truly bizarre exchange, a commissioner asks, You will make sure no one dies. <laughs> and, and it goes on to say, And response was, That is priority one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. <laughs> like, I can we just get video with the commissioner asking that yeah yeah
0: that just reads like a unreal it looks like a comedy I, I don't get it uh I don't get the slap fighting thing Jason I don't I'm not like, like I've, I've seen the YouTube videos on Facebook yeah. I have watched them I just how is this taken off how Who's, who's, because, who's like a okay. hardcore slap fighting fan?
1: Okay. It's no different than, um you know, you, you watch street fights. We're all addicted to those videos. I mean, come on. You going to deny? Oh, what what's the uh, website? Um, World, World Star. World Star, World Star. You know, like every time you see one of those videos, oh, it's going on World Star. You always got that guy, that person in the background, chanting that out.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I get it. I get it to an extent, but like, I can't imagine somebody like, man, I'm a hardcore slap fighting championship fan. I think uh, I think John Smith is just one of the great slap fighters of all time. I'm excited for season three. Like I, like, it's like a two, uh, I I'm too old for this.
1: You know, you're going to tune into that first show. You know, you are.
0: I'm sure I'll see it on my social media feed. I'm sure. I'm sure. Maybe if they had celebrities on there, I would watch.
1: You know, true, false. You know, I usually do agree. to to do true, false. The first uh, power slap is headlined by a current UFC fighter.
0: False. I don't believe that's going to happen.
1: I think it's Excuse- true, man. I think you're going to see a UFC fighter headline that thing. Because they're going to look, you know, they're going to look for name value. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, maybe that's what Could you imagine with. if it's headlined by Nate Diaz.
0: That would be it. Oh. I can't imagine that at all. A 0% chance. I happens. got it.
1: I got it for you, Daniel. inaugural event. Headline. Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor. That would be so. <laughs> yeah.
0: You need to stop, stop it with the
1: drugs you're on. That would be insane. Okay. How many millions <laughs> of people would tune in for that?
0: Uh, yes. Yes. It would be a huge event. Without a doubt,
1: All right, who, who, a huge... who's Nick going up against in the co-main event? Oh, was <laughs> it? Uh, can we get can we get Joe Riggs, Nick Diaz, and Joe Riggs? The rematch.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think. Look, I mean, honestly, it would probably have to be Dylan Danis, but uh,
1: you know, oh, come on. Yeah. He, I saw he was in the news. What was it? Him and Nate got into it in New York City. Yeah, yeah. Nate slapped him. Nate slapped him this weekend. Could. Yes. Dude, there's so many people. Dude, you could you could have Dylan Dance in every power slap card because you could find tons of people with that want to go with him.
0: I know. That is true. Dylan's getting slapped for free. I guess he might as well do it for money.
1: All right. I I'll throw some old UFC names at you. Odds that they appear on Power Slap. Tito Ortiz.
0: Oh yeah, he could be a he could be the main eventer. Yep, I can see that happening. Tito, Ortiz, I would like to see Tito Ortiz and Dana White in a slap fight.
1: Now Rampage Jackson.
0: I don't know if we'll see Rampage do any business with Dana White, but
1: <laughs> money talks. Money talks, bro. But, yeah, yeah. I just don't know where the money's coming from for this product. You know, I think I think you'll be surprised. I, I, I look. I know there's people in MMA community that are all down on this thing, and I look. I understand why people are down on this. I truly do. I truly get it. But I think that there's going to be a lot of intrigue in the first two, three episodes. But I think it's also going to come down to is there name value?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if there is name value, people will watch this product. But I don't think there'll be name value. I really don't. I, I just don't think if I have a name, I'm gonna be like, you know what I want to do? I want to do a slap fight, you know. If I have that leverage, I'm not doing slap fighting.
1: Maybe, maybe there'll be some WWE crossover. Yeah, yeah. Probably not. Probably not.
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. But who knows? Maybe see, you know, CM Punk may have to have some some spare time. I know he's doing commentary, but uh, yeah, he, he has plenty of spare time.
1: Yeah, that was one bad thing about uh, leaving on Thursday. Germany CFFC was here in Tampa. I would love uh, on that show yeah yeah we just we don't we don't don't get a lot of mma pro mma here in tampa yeah um Mm -hmm. so cffc they have that deal with hard rock where they go kind of uh, across the the eastern side of the united states so i always try to go uh nice little venue they have at the hard rock i mean we have like some amy shows that happen here but uh i've been waiting to see if those tickets for the ufc card in orlando go down a little bit nope yeah Cheap, it's cheap on the secondary market. Is one hundred and sixty bucks for upper level seat.
0: Damn, bro, you might as well go get in a queue and buy a Taylor Swift ticket.
1: I've seen no. the stuff on that. Yeah, like I, I guess people can't even get tickets. Apparently,
0: yeah, girls around the country are going crazy. Uh, including my. So, girlfriend. so what Who? you're
1: saying is, you, if you get a hold of those tickets, then you just put it on the secondary market and yeah, make, oh, uh, dude, make a you can make, make, make a nice profit.
0: Dude, the the. The prices on those secondary tickets are absurd. Absurd. I mean, you could pay off a, a mortgage for a couple months if you get the right ticket. I mean, it's uh it's crazy. Ticketmaster, all those people are just raking it in, those 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 jerks.
1: Yeah, I'm just I, I just pulled the Ticketmaster website for uh uh yeah. Oh so right now, if you want uh it says for two tickets, uh the cheapest ticket right now is a seventy five dollars.
0: For a UFC? Yeah.
1: If you yeah. want to sit, like, in a lower level, you're looking at... Uh, let's see how much these tickets are.
0: $800. Jesus. Can you imagine spending that much money for that fight card? It's a good fight card, but it sure as hell might work near $1,000.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm like... Yeah. So, um, the Amway Arena, so you have the 100 and 200 level. Uh, your cheapest 100 level ticket is... I'm at $223, and I still haven't seen a 100-level dollar ticket. Um, dude, there is 200-level tickets that are approaching $300 a piece. Damn. Okay, the cheapest 100-level ticket is $315. And you haven't even paid fees at that point yet. Yeah. That's all, I, I that's one thing I do love about ticketmaster where you can hit that tab show me with fees so when you do it with the show me a fees the cheapest ticket is 219 dollars and fifteen cents
0: oh my god
1: this has to this has to be a product of the UFC having a majority of their fight night cards at the apex it ha- it has to be the cause of that
0: yeah yeah I just to me, the price point to get in the door to watch that event is way too high. Way too high. To get a cheap seat, it's not a cheap seat. It's an incredibly expensive cheap the, seat.
1: The uh, uh, 100 level ticket I mentioned, after fees,
0: $383.51. Jesus. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, I'd rather just save the money and buy five UFC pay per views.
1: Man, that's, uh, I mean, hell, if you, if you pay that $300, I did not even bought any beers yet.
0: I know, man. That's a $400 investment just to watch a fight night.
1: Who are you talking to?
0: A hey, $500 investment <laughs> just to watch a fight night.
1: <laughs> look, first off, you know that beer's probably going to be like $15. Bucks.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm not a one kind of guy.
0: Yes, sir. I know. You're a high volume beer drinker, much like, uh you know, much like a high volume striker.
1: I mean, then, you know, I got to get some food. Yeah. You know, got to get some food in the system.
0: Sounds like you need to take out a loan just to attend this fight night.
1: I don't think I'm going to be going.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound like it.
1: I actually got invited to a 40th birthday party that Saturday night. So I, I think I'm going to be going to that. Damn.
0: Yeah, you know. Maybe you could
1: maybe you this, just uh, go is, go there. This is what happens when you get older, Daniel. You know, you're, you know, the, the you're going to, you know, people's 40th birthday parties. This is what happens. Yeah, that's depressing. Jeez, oh, depressing. Good Lord.
0: Is it not? Is it I mean, birthdays are depressing if like 21, you know, and, like I always say depressing. I feel like it's just a reminder of mortality. You know. This <laughs> It's just like, oh, crap, I'm probably going to die, right? Yeah, damn. Like, like, once you're 14, it's just all magical. But I start turning 24, 25, 26, I'm like, I'm just getting older. I'm never going to be 14.
1: Damn.
0: You start to realize no one cares the crap about your birthday except for you.
1: You remember when you thought life was tough when you were 14, 15 years old? Yeah. Life was real easy.
0: It was. It was. But at least now I have a girlfriend. That was a really big problem when i was 14. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's life's better life's better now
1: yeah I, I did see the pictures y'all posted on uh ig the other day the pumpkin patch was it
0: yeah so you got to pay tax in life if you're in a relationship and that's one of them
1: oh trust me i just got my property tax bill yeah <laughs> <laughs> Pretty damn expensive living here to stay in the state of Florida.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a steep price.
1: Let's just say I got that bill. I opened it up. I was like, Oh well, that's definitely more than last year. <laughs> and then I looked at it. I was like, It's gone up a thousand dollars in two years.
0: And people wonder why millennials don't own property.
1: <laughs>
0: There's your answer right there.
1: Oh man, I just, I was like, oh God. Hey, yeah, I'm just glad that my mailbox is like back to normal. Mm-hmm. You know, don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. I think, I think anyone who understands, they know what I'm talking about.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, no more, uh, no more uh, spam going yeah. on in the mailbox. Unless you're in Georgia, you might still get some of those. But yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's nice we cannot talk about politics in this world for about one day. Oh,
1: shit. <laughs> For what reason it's coming up on my TikTok timeline now? I don't know what it is. Let's go on my TikTok timeline. I'm always that, interested in what comes up in that TikTok algorithm for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my TikTok. Yeah, I, my TikTok algorithm, it, it's uh it's mostly just random sports facts. Like I have all these TikToks about remember when these guys were NFL players or something like that? I'm like, oh yeah, Justin Forsett. That's
1: I like cool. the ones that I like is like the NBA trivia question. It's like all right. This uh, name this team's current starting five, and they just give you the image of the what team drafted them.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Get you, yeah, get you thinking probably... a little bit. Get you thinking a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Not bad. Can you? Uh, can you name any fights on this one FC fight card? No.
1: <laughs> oh, man, I, I, haven't, I haven't. I haven't looked. I seriously, oh. I have not looked.
0: What a hate. You know what? I couldn't. But I tell you what, I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it. Here's the, Okay, you got to answer this question for me. Why is one always running two events every time they're on Amazon Prime and YouTube? I don't get it. Why do they have two, random, two fight cards back to back? Do we know why?
1: I have no idea. Well, I mean, I'm uh, sure part know. of that's probably got to be is maybe it's a budget thing, you know, in terms know, of getting their, so. getting their fighters fights.
0: I guess so, but I'm just like, damn, I'm really overwhelmed with one FC content i got to watch. Because the thing is, like, I look at one, and I'm like, this is a product that I'm kind of getting interested in. And there are are fighters I care about. And I like the idea of you turn on a one card, and you're going to see a Mm -hmm. grappling match, you're going to see a Muay Thai match, you're going to see a kickboxing (laughs) match, and I may fight. But my one problem with one is that you're giving me two fight cards that i got to consume, and it's just a lot of content. Uh, But I will say... These two fight cards have some interesting fights, bro. Like, you look at one on Prime Video 4, from a mixed martial arts standpoint, Christian Lee's a really good fighter. And he's taking on uh, this guy named Abisoft. I'm looking forward to that. Bibiano Fernandez, I mean, one of the best non-UFC fighters of all time is in action. He, he's always beating Father Time. Cosmo Alexandra is a name that you know people probably are familiar with. And and then on the other card, one championship, one sixty three. You have uh, two names people know obviously. Yushin Okami is competing against Ang Lansang, who's a really good fighter. And Shinya Aoki is taking on Saiged, is a who I believe. Oh crap! I, let me double check this. I believe this guy is taking on Aoki. Is oh never mind. I thought he was. I thought he was training with Team Habib, but maybe he's not, or maybe he is. I'm not sure. I know he's really good though, I'm looking forward to that fight. But the last thing I'll say is this: um, this kickboxing dude on one championship, 163. This guy's must watch. His name is Roman Cricklia. He uh, he's crazy. He's a heavyweight. He looks insane, and he's just must watch TV. He's someone who I'm like, damn. I hope he makes that transition to mixed martial arts because uh, he's uh, he's super exciting. He just looks crazy.
1: That's the one thing about MMA in in twenty twenty two, as opposed to being an MMA fan in two thousand eight two thousand nine. It's just there, there's just so much more content that you can take take in, and it's a lot. It's a lot of content to take in, and um, I would say this: I don't I don't take in as much MMA content as I once did, and, and a lot and, and a lot of it's just, it's it's finding time for me. I mean, that, that's just a reality. I mean, it's just for me, it's, it's finding that time to be able to consume all the UFC content, you know, and Bellator content. Like, you know, for me, in terms of what I do in MMA, you know, my priority is the UFC because, well, newsflash, people like UFC content
0: yeah and I, I like UFC it's the like most, I, most I, I, will, I, will,
1: I will tell you after we get done doing this show I'm recording a Bellator preview show uh, for, for Fight HQ but uh, but yeah to me it's because of, of being so UFC heavy with uh, the content that I produce um, you know sometimes with, with some of these other cards it, I may not watch until two or, or three weeks after in fact
0: yeah exactly but I will say when I'm looking at this weekend I think you know the card I'm going to prioritize watching is going to be Bellator 288. And once I get through that one, it's going to be the UFC Fight Night cards. And then after that, I will say it's probably going to be the one championship cards. And so we'll see. I feel like that's probably as far as I'll go. But who knows? After that, then you're looking at Invicta, LFA, Cage Warriors. But that's kind of the order. First and foremost, it's the main card of Bellator. Then it's UFC. Okay. Then one and two. Let's,
1: let's end on this note. Yeah. Top three fights of the weekend. Is the okay. Bellator main event co-main event 1-2?
0: It is. It is. And What's then, number
1: three? Number honestly, three is a tough one, man.
0: It is tough, but I'm going to go with Lewis Spivak. I am.
1: I I, I I think that's, yeah, I would th- throw it out there. I mean, like, there's other fights that intrigue me with how they could go down. Like, the, the Roman Feraldo fight is one that, that sticks out to me. Um, yeah. you know, look, over on the UFC, I think it would probably be God. I, I even though I think it's a show, it's clearly a showcase fight. But Jack uh, della Madalena to me is is a guy that really sticks out to me.
0: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And then yeah, I mean, some of those ONE FC fights look pretty good too. Again, Bibiana Fernandez, Stephen Loman, Christian Lee, Abasov, and also Tang and, and Muay Thai. Oof! But uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are the fights, but. Top three. Number one is going to be Usman. Actually, Usman and Petriki. I'm just all in on Usman. I love watching him fight. And I'm, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, so he's number one. Then two would be Nemcoff, Anderson, and three. I'm just going to keep it simple. I think Lewis will be back.
1: I, and I love what you brought about with championship uh, a couple months ago is the one thing you love about them is it's a mixed martial arts show it's a combat sports show where you get so many different facets of mixed martial arts. That is the one thing that when I I am able to go back and watch one championships, that's why I love the fact of, hey, I can see a main matchup. I can see a kickboxing matchup. I can see a Muay Thai fight. I can see a grappling matchup. That is, that is the one thing that I love what one championship has done. And to me, that's allowed them to separate themselves from the rest of you know the non-UFC world that we live in.
0: Yeah, it is. And I'm glad they've done that. You know, it's important if you're not the UFC, how do you differentiate your product? I think the two promotions that have done the best job of doing it is 1FC and PFL as well has done a really good job of differentiating their product by making it that seasonal tournament format. And that is what you've got to do in any marketplace, in any business. If you aren't the top dog and you're looking to break through, you've got to look to not reinvent the wheel, but do something different with it.
1: Of course, uh, we'll be back here next week. We'll preview that PFL card. Of course, we'll have a, a Thanksgiving week edition of the MMA Report podcast. Of course, as always, appreciate everyone tuning in. Whether you're watching this on YouTube, of course, uh, we're now putting all the, uh, the full episodes over there on YouTube. We want to build up that following over there? So um, even if you're listening to this on the, on a podcasting platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, it's Spotify, wherever you may be getting this podcast, if you go over to YouTube, you know, hit that like, hit that subscribe, leave a comment. You know, I'll. I'll definitely Definitely get back to you in the comments. So I really do appreciate that. Uh, as always, of course, uh, you can check out the MA Report podcast. Uh, try to get two episodes out a week. Sometimes I may not be able to get that second episode out uh, there on a Sunday. We'll have a Sunday uh, edition of the podcast this week. I'll line up some interviews over there. So be on the lookout for that. So that's going to do it for this edition of the MA Report podcast, which comes out two times a week on your favorite podcasting platform and right here on YouTube.